Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what we've come here to do is to bless His holy name. Good to be gathered together with you this evening in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can have your seats for a moment and just watch just while we greet you and maybe have something for you. Is that ready? That's fine. And uh, I just want to bring you greetings from the saints in Cloverdale and especially to Brother Hildebrandt, whom uh, Brother Tom Ray said, be sure to greet my friend Brother Harold. And we do that, and also Brother John Andy said to greet Brother Harold, Brother Ed, all the saints, and, uh, you know, he, he said, hey, Brother Tom actually said to greet uh, you, Brother Ed, but he said he, uh, he has an email from you. Uh, he, he says he thinks it's about a year old, and he will get back to you. And so uh, he... <laughs> Our dear brother Tom doesn't always return our emails, does he? <laughs> but he's a good brother, and we appreciate him much. Amen. We appreciate one another, and it's good to be here and be here with you. And aren't these things ridiculous? I was, I was saying to I this is the first cloth one. I wore a cloth one here, um, what's today, Wednesday? On Sunday for the first time, I was wearing, wearing those uh, temporary ones, but I kept breaking them, you know, take them off, I break the strap, break the strap, break the strap, so I needed something a little bit stronger, I don't know if my nose is too big or what's the problem, but, you know, something always breaking on, so I needed something a little more solid, so just kind of meet the requirements of the age, render under Caesar what is Caesar's, and as best we can, you know, as best we can, and uh, we just, you know, the world is full of fear, isn't it? But the believers aren't full of fear. There's not one person that goes before their time. We have no fear of what's going on out there. I really appreciate what Martin Luther had to say about the plague in his day. He says, he says I'm not scared of it. He says, I'm not going to run away from it. I'm not going to run towards it. He says, uh, and he as much as said, I'm not going to play games. If God wants to take me, he knows where to find me. And that's the bottom line. It's not in man's hands. It's not in the hands of a virus. It's in the hands of a living God. And we're thankful that we serve a living God. Well, regardless of that, there are great things that are happening around the world. And there are, there are I think Brother Ed showed a video here Sunday morning of uh, some people in Uganda that had come in contact with the message of the hour. And we are grateful uh, to see what God is doing, to be involved in what God is doing, to be a part of a real move of God in the last days. Now, I'm not just talking about Uganda. I'm talking about around the world. This message is a phenomenal, powerful force, the voice of God that is sent to catch every predestinated seed in these last days. It's unstoppable. Amen. It's just unstoppable. And, and now I'm not saying that any other way than what I've experienced it as being true. Brother Ed said, the Word of God chases demons. 
I was in a meeting in India at the end of 2019, and, and it was at Brother Swami's church in uh, uh, Chennai, which is, used to be called um, Madras. And uh, uh, we were there having meetings. Brother Swami passed away, and, and we were having meetings with the, the next generation of ministers. And the, the Lord just moved in a very outstanding and special way. But there was a, a relative, I, it was like a, a, a grandson of Brother Swami, and they have apartments above the church, and he was in one of the apartments there, and, and, uh, but he wasn't in the service. He was in the apartment. And, and so uh, he was saying, you know, he said to his cousin there after the service, he said to her, he says, what was going on in the service? And she says, why? She says, were, he said, were you, was the preacher like, chasing demons? And, and she says, well, why, why do you ask? I mean, she said, the, the presence of God came down. She says, I believe I got delivered from something. And, and uh, uh, he sa- she said, why? He says, because I was awakened by a voice going screaming through my room, he says. And he says, it wasn't a nice voice. And he says, I, I was like, there's demons running away from something. I'll tell you what, this Word of God does chase demons. It stops the mouths of, uh, of enemies. There was a, a man in, in, the, in a meeting, a large meeting with Brother Fred Chienji there in uh, Uganda, and he was a witch doctor. Not only was he a witch doctor, he was a teacher of the witch doctors. He was a very, a very well, I don't know what you call, I would say senior. I don't know if they have senior witch doctors, but they, he was a very, very powerful witch doctor. And he was in the meeting because he had a sister that was a believer. And, and it, while the meeting was going on, as, as the word was being ministered, he, he, he decided he, was, he didn't want to hear it, and he tried to call on those demons and, and that, that he would call on in his witchcraft. And he found out that he was bound. He was completely powerless in the congregation of the believers. And, and he could do nothing. And not only that, but, but from that time on, they would not answer him. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was dealing with him. And it wasn't long after that that he became converted and baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what, this gospel is powerful. This gospel is real. It sets free. It delivers. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Amen. I got, a, I got a video that I'll show you this morning. You can key that up uh, uh, for me. And uh, uh, it's actually the follow-on video from what you saw on Sunday morning. On Sunday morning, you heard from the Adventists, and you heard from Brother Fred that there just wasn't enough time to do baptisms. And so uh, they're having a, a bit of a problem with baptisms because of curfew uh, and because of uh, uh, the need to gather the people to where the water is. As much as Uganda is a bit of a wet country, as Brother Harold knows, there isn't water everywhere. And so you've got to move the people to where the water is to baptize them. And so here, I'll just let the, the video explain itself if you just show that. It's about two minutes long. Praise God, Praise God. Hallelujah. 
We really thank God for this beautiful day he has given to us. It is the day of remembrance that Jesus spoke about that go unto the whole nations and preach the gospel to the entire nations. He that will believe and be baptized shall be saved. Bible, the Bible says it is one God, one faith, and one baptism. So if you were once baptized in your denomination, it was wrong. Amen. I was an Adventist. And 215 people were baptized on that day. Amen. We give glory to God. You know, the Adventists are, uh, anyone is hard to crack. I mean, they said in the early days, Brother Harold Hildebrandt was a hard nut to crack for the gospel. And he was resistant to the gospel, but God got a hold of him. And he's the same God today. Amen. He can get a hold of a theologian from the Adventist from 30 years of training. Why? Because God opened his eyes. Amen. The truth hasn't changed, but your eyes have to become open to it. In the days when Jesus himself in flesh walked on the earth, how many people actually knew that and knew that it was God walking amongst them? It was very few just a few, maybe thousands in there in Israel, just rumors going out and things taking place. But God was moving, and God's still moving, and, and we believe that God is still moving today. And, and uh, the believers in Uganda want to thank you and thank Brother Harold. 10,000 SEALs books have landed in Uganda this past week that you have paid for your, through your pastor for the believers there in Uganda. In their language, 10,000 Seven Seals book. And I hate to tell you this, but that isn't even enough for the new believers. But it's a start. Amen. And so we're, we're rejoicing in what God's doing. There's been, I, I don't even want to count numbers, tens of thousands of other books that have also been printed. And, and uh, that's the word that the bride is to be clothed with. We're not just in evangelism, we're in end-time evangelism. I hope this is okay. It's, it's not just uh, getting somebody saved, but it's getting a bride ready for the bridegroom. And she is clothed with the wedding garment of the Word that has been sent in the last days. Amen. So let's take our Bibles this morning. Let's, let's uh, look at the message, look at the Word, and... Just see what the Lord will do for us tonight. How many are expecting tonight? John chapter 1 is where we will turn to. I've been studying on, on the theophany 
and more directly the, uh, the importance or the way God made us and the impact of not having a theophany. We know we're drawing near to our theophany, but uh, I've been just looking at it from different things that Brother Branham has said about our makeup, and, uh, and, I, and I guess I, if I would title the message tonight, it would be From Questions to Theophany. From Questions to Theophany. Let's just bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, as we approach that which is most holy in this age that we're living in, O oh God, your word that you gave and anointed for these last days, that the attributes, the thoughts that you had within you before the foundation of the world would hear this word and recognize who they are, would renounce the former things of unbelief and would receive that sacrifice of Calvary that was given for them that we might return Lord, that we might come back to the thoughts that you had of us before the foundation of the world. Lord, may your presence, which is mighty in this room, your angels are gathered all around. The supernatural dimension is here. Father, may it quicken us, O God. We confess we are your children. We have no other confession. We have no other adherence, Lord. We have no other loyalty but to you, O oh God. And Lord, we invite you just now to minister your word to our souls. Bring us into the place we ought to be. Wash us in the water of the word. Bless the reading of it and the speaking of it and the receiving of it, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. John chapter 1, all familiar scripture to believers, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now you can read 1 to 14, you probably could almost recite it from heart. But then the Apostle John writes in the next verse, he says, John bear witness of him, speaking of John the Baptist. He says, and cried, saying, this was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And then we're going to just jump down to verse 19. And this is the record of John. All right, so John bear record of Jesus. Now John the Apostle is bearing record of John the Baptist. And of course, John the Apostle was originally a, record, uh, a disciple of John the Baptist, so he would know him. And, and uh, it says, and this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elijah? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. And then he said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer unto them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. 
And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him. So they didn't. Now, I want you to see this because they were full of questions. All right, we're starting with questions tonight. They were full of questions. And they, they, they asked him and they said, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not the Christ, nor Elijah, neither John the Baptist? So they first asked him, Who are you? And he says, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Then they said, Well, then according to our thinking, if you're not Elijah, if you're not that prophet, if you're not the Christ, then why are you baptizing? And John answers them and says, I baptize with water, but there is one that standeth amongst you whom you know not. He it is whose coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes last I'm not worthy to unloose. The, these things were done in Bethabara beyond Jordan where John was baptizing. Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may be seated. So they had a lot of questions, and questions affect our, our lives, and questions are something that every one of us are familiar with. And it doesn't matter uh, whether a child is two or three or four years old and just learning to talk, and, and, and you begin to talk with them, and then they ha- they, it rises up within them the question of why. Well, you know, we're going to Grandma's house. Why? Because that's what we're going to do today. Why? Uh, well, because grandma wants to see us. Why does she want to? You know, children have a way of questions. And, and, and from a young age, and, and they go to school, and they, they, they often go through school, and they're given information, and they're given tests, and they have to learn. But, they, but really, the real question is often, why do we have to learn this? Why do I need to do algebra? What, how will I ever use this? Or different things like that. And, 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 and there's something in humanity that because of the way we're made, that, that this is a very essence of our life in a desire to know the reason why and a desire to, to always know something more. I was driving with my father-in-law to the airport. He was driving us to the airport on Tuesday and and he said something to Gideon, who was three years old, and, and, I, and I said, I didn't know that. I says, I just learned something today. And I, I said, uh, I, I never thought to ask the question. And he was just explaining what a bridge is to Gideon and how a bridge is different than a viaduct. And, and uh, I thought, well, that's something I didn't know, so I'm glad I learned that. So, you know, sometimes it's just something in us that, that's curious. Can we say that? It's curious. But this actually has an impact in our lives. Brother Branham says we're made as a free moral agency. All right? He often uses the term free moral agent. To make any decisions we wish to. And God justly does that because we, he must put every man on the same basis. Or he put the first man on the wrong basis and he, that he put on a free moral agent. See, we weren't... We're, you see, we're just exactly tonight like Adam and Eve. There's no difference. Right and wrong sets before either one of us. Life and death, we can make our choice. It's up to us to make it. That's the way Adam and Eve did. And you see, and they made the wrong choice. All right, but that choice was based upon information that they had. We know that Eve uh, received some information, but the Bible says she was deceived. 
That is to say, she thought it would be the right decision to commit fornication in the Garden of Eden, but it was the wrong decision. And Adam, when he saw what had taken place, he had a decision to make. I could either go with Eve because I love her and redeem her back to myself, or I could stay where I am because I know it's wrong to do it, but then I would lose Eve. So now he was, he was put in a, a terrible quandary of a decision that he had to make. He had some information. He had some, some things that he came to understood. So we realize then that we have, because we are a free moral agent, we have choices. Are you still with me? All right, we have choices in life. But I'll say it this way too many choices is a problem. Even though we like to have choices, you don't go to a restaurant saying, Bring me the meal. You go to a restaurant and you look at a menu and say, What do I feel like today? Do I, uh, do I feel like lasagna or pizza? Do I feel like uh, a hamburger or a steak? Do I feel like this or do I feel like that? And you're, you're judging. And, and you know, they actually, science has actually studied this realm. And I was, I was kind of looking at it because I was interested in it, in that, and, and how the brain works, in that too many choices create uncertainty, and uncertainty creates problems such as anxiety. All right? And we, and we realize we've come to a time that while we like choices, we don't like uncertainty, which is sometimes why we don't even want to make choices. You know, Brother Branham talks about it a little bit in Men Running from the Presence of the Lord. I won't go there, but Brother Branham talks about the responsibility to find out why God put us here. That there's a reason that we're here and we are obligated, every individual, to go to God. Notice how he said that, not to go to your pastor, not to go to this one, not to go to that one, not even go to the message. Go to God and, and find out. You must find out, why am I here? There is a reason that you are here. There's a reason that I am here. And... and and so science has studied this, and these, they've done these psychological brain scans and different things, and, and all of these tests that they do, it's, it's certainly boring if we go into the details of it. But they know one thing, that, that the, what is shown as anxiety in the brain appears when there is the greatest uncertainty. And the greatest uncertainty is when you have too many choices and you can't decide which one is the right choice. But they also found something else in science. And it was very interesting. They found out there is a group of people that don't seem to have this problem. And it's the people that they call highly religious. They don't develop these anxiety problems caused by uncertainty, and they, they're trying to figure out why, and they think it's probably because they, they realize, and I'll put it in our terms, they realize there's an absolute. Amen. But to the world, there's no absolute. To the world, it's full of uncertainty. To the world, they don't know which way's up, which way's down. Science has taken God out of people's minds and said there's no God, and everything is just this way, and then it's that way. You know, how many times, let's just talk about it where we are today. How, is it okay if I just talk to you like this on a Wednesday night? How many times have they changed their minds about COVID? 
Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Wear two masks. You know, wear three masks. Don't wear a mask. You know, social distance. Don't social distance. Children get it. Children don't get it. Old people get it. Old people don't get it. They survived it. Oh, the survival rate's better than we thought it was. On and on and on. A constantly changing landscape of so-called science. As Paul says, falsely so-called. All right? There's no absolute to science. Can we say amen to that? There's no absolute to it. It's this way one day. It's that way. Brother Branham dealt with it when he was here. He said there was a time that science said if you rolled a ball 30 miles an hour, it would leave the earth. Such would be the velocity of a ball. Well, they found out they were wrong. Now, they don't go back and say, well, we were wrong. Uh, but that's the way it is. They're just uncertain. No matter what they decide, they're just, it's just almost like a guess. And I'm not trying to be hard on the scientists and the, the current government regulations, though I certainly don't have a lot of respect for them anymore. And excuse me for saying that. I don't think they know what they're talking about. That's just the way it is. Brother Branham says, in, in the message, uncertain sound, actually, and it's interesting, Brother Ed, you can take this under advisement. Brother Ed preached, or Brother, Bis Brother Branham preached uncertain sound uh, twice in Jeffersonville within five years. Same title, same subject, in his home church. So if you ever feel led to re-preach something, you just go ahead. You know, it's right in the message. And, you know, he... he uh, but in this message, Uncertain Sound, in 1955, and if you ever want to study, he, he talks a lot about the human makeup, and he talks about the soul, and he talks about the reaction of the soul and the spirit, and he talks about lie detector tests, and he talks about how human beings were made, and they're not made to lie, and, and all of these things that's, that's in our makeup, okay? And, and these, so these things that I'm talking about, they're not something from psychology, they're right in the message, all right? And you can go home and read it for yourself, listen to it for yourself. But in one place, he says, the human body, our makeup, our regular anatomy that we live in here is not made to sin. It's made to do righteous. It's made to serve God. Now, I'll go, I'll go back to Adam and Eve, and I'm going to theophany. But I, I, maybe I'll just drop this in right here so you can see where I'm going, is that you, you actually were made to have a theophany. You see, we, we look at the theophany as something that's addition. No, in the beginning, Adam was theophany before he was flesh. And that's the way our flesh is made. That's the way our spirit made. So our conscience, memory, reasons, affections, imaginations were actually made to be guided by a theophany. You see? But because we were born in sin, we bypass that theophany. We come into this earthly flesh realm, as you'll see as I read it here in a moment, and, and, and how that, that we're stuck here, and that's what creates the questions, because in that body, you'll know all things. In that theophany, you'll know all things. So your imagination, memory, reasons, affections, and, all, and conscience was made to know all things, but now in that realm, we've got a lot of questions. A lot of unanswerable questions. Are you with me? And so, but, but we, and that's why we feel, and that's why the human being actually gets in such a place that when there's too many questions, it begins to break down. And, and, and you see, we're living in an uncertain time. 
A time of nervous tension, Brother Branham says. A time where it seems like we're not made to live in. And I'll say it this way. It's not a time of mental illness so much it's a time of mental weakness that's coming to the forefront. In that all human being for 6,000 years has been born mentally weak because they were meant to have a theophany body to interpret all things through. But we're common to this weakness and without God we have nothing to base life on. Let me just say it the way Brother Branham said it here. He says, it's made to do righteous. It's made to serve God. God never made you just to work and come home and love your children. That's all good enough. God made you to work. God made you to come home, love your children, love your wife, and the wife be loyal and love her husband. The children love their father and mother. But that's just the backgrounds for something that God made you to do. God made you to be a worshiper. A worshiper of him. So now put that into context of the government shutting down worship. Now they're totally not just destabilizing uh, uh, people, they're destabilizing humanity. Because Brother Bram says, if you don't worship God, you'll worship something. See, the people that go to the Baptists, the Pentecostals, the, the Adventists, whatever more it is, nothing against them, Brother Bram says, it's not the people, it's the system. And so all of those people that they're going to church, why are they going to church? Because they're made to worship God. You are made to worship God. I am made to worship God. See, church is what I'm all about. Hello? Church is not an add-on. I'm not here preaching politics. It's nothing to do with politics. I'm just saying church is not something that is addition to my life. Church is my life. All the other things are background music to the one purpose in life. I was made to worship God. Hallelujah. That's what my entire life is about. That's the reason God put me here. And whatever gift he put inside me has to lend itself to that central purpose, which is I was made to worship God. Amen. And so we realize then that, that we have bypassed these. Brother Branham, just to those, just maybe to background it a bit, Brother Branham goes through it in the message, Who is this Melchizedek? Uh, you can certainly read it in detail there. And, uh, and we realize that, as the scripture says, if this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have another one eternal in the heavens. I was, I was thinking about choices today as I was studying it. And Paul says, you know, I'm in a strait betwixt two. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. In other words, to be in this body, it's a sacrifice, but it's service to Christ. But there's another body. If I lay this body down, I go into that body. And that's a body that's more conducive to my original makeup than this body. Because even in John 1 where it says in the beginning was the word. When you see the word it's the logos, the theophany of God that come into existence. It was the first creation of God. And it come out from the self-existing God who was alone with his thoughts. There was no angels, there was no heaven, there was no universe. Just the, it was just God before he was even a theophany in his thoughts. And the first come out from him was, we'll call it theophany God or we'll call it the word come into existence. 
existence and the word come out from God. And, that, and that's where the son of God comes in view. Brother Ram says lots of things about that. That's where the Lamb's book of life comes into view. That's where, that's where all kinds of things, the pillar of fire, all that kind of stuff comes into view there. But that's also where your theophany comes into view. Because that's the great theophany out of which comes all theophany. Brother Random says it's just, heaven is just like this realm. He says before we came to this realm, I'm sorry I have to go so fast. But before we came to this realm, he says God laid out your body here. Your body was here before you came to it. Did you know that? That's what he said. What is it? The calcium in the ground, the potash, the minerals, all of these things that make up these bodies. It's laying here. Brother Ron says he's like a carpenter. He lays out his tools. Amen, Brother Ron. He lays out his equipment, lays out everything. Make sure he's got everything ordered that he's going to need to build what he's going to build. Because if he doesn't have anything there, it's no sense starting. But God laid everything out. He made the heavens and the earth. And then he laid it all out here. And he says, all right, now I got everything I need to work with. And then he began to brood over the earth. Brother Brown says he began to make love. He began to inject that important ingredient to those raw materials. And the most important ingredient was love. And God injected that into the earth. And long story short, here we are. God has a purpose in this. He brought these bodies out of the ground. Well, our bodies was also in the word realm before we go to them. And in God put all the ingredients there. It's called the word. In the beginning was the word. All right. So Brother Branham says now, he says the theophany is something that you could not see. It could be here right now, yet you could not see it. It's just like television that's in another dimension. All right, now, it's not the same dimension as television. He's using it as an example here. He says, people are moving right through this room now singing. There's colors also, but the eyes is the only subject to the five senses. Your whole being is only subject to five senses, rather, and you are only subject to what sight has been limited to see. But in another dimension that can be seen by a transformation by television, all right? Any, now, everybody's not here, so that means there's some people that are at home streaming this service. That's what Brother Brown's calling television. It's the same thing as streaming a service, all right? Something takes the image here, puts it into another form, and, and you can explain it any way you want, but it takes it into that other dimension and, it, and puts it into a screen in somebody's home, and they can sit there right now and be hearing exactly what I'm saying, as, and if they just let themselves go, it's just like they're right here. But something did that. It interpreted it, so they took me and put it in their home, put me in their home. Thank you. I'm glad to be in your home. Which camera are we using here? Is it this one? God bless you. It's good to be in your home. Thank you for inviting me. Don't get nervous now. But something did that. Something had to interpret that. Your eyes can't see that. It had to interpret it to you. Brother Bram says a theophany is like that. There's theophanies just in, a, in this room right here. There's heavenly bodies in this room. An angel is a theophany. All right? There's angels in this room right now. But your eyes can't see it because you're limited because of the sinful nature we're born in. We're trapped in this dimension. All right? I think we all understand that. I, I better just keep pressing on. He says, 
So is it that Christ is here, the angels are here, and someday in the great millennium to come, it'll be just more real than television or anything else because they are here. Now we see the attribute sons of his spirit. All right, I just, I'm just putting some quotes together, but they're in order here in Who is this Melchizedek? Now we see this, the attribute sons of his spirit have not yet entered into the word form body, a theophany. This body is subject to the word and waiting for the earnest change of the body. Now the difference between him and you as a son, see he was at the beginning the word. That's why I described John 1. He was in the beginning the word. An amorphe body. He came in and lived in the person of Melchizedek. Then later we heard no more of Melchizedek because he became Jesus Christ. Melchizedek was the priest, but he became Jesus Christ. Now you bypass that because in that form he knowed all things. All right? So we realize that you were meant to know all things in your theophany. That's why the Bible says, we shall know even as we are known. We will know in the same way that he knows when we come to that condition. And we're looking forward to that condition. Amen? Amen. He says, you have never been able to know that yet. You come like Adam, like me. You came from the attribute to the flesh to be tempted. If this earthly tabernacle is dissolved, we have one already waiting. There we go. That is the word. Then we can look back and see what we have done. Catch these statements now. Then we can look back and see what we have done. He says, now we don't understand it. But then we'll look back and see what we have done. And so there's a knowledge that is lacking now that will be there then. Okay? Now we're struggling. Now we have choices. Now we have to operate in a realm called faith. All right? Stay with me on that one. We'll come back to faith. He, said, he says, if this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, that's the word. He says, we don't understand it. We have never become the word. We just become a flesh man, not the word. But you bypass the theophany and become flesh man to be tempted by sin. And then, if this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have one already waiting. We have not yet the bodies. But look, when this body receives the Spirit of God, the immortal life inside of you, it throws this body in subjection to God. He says, hallelujah. When is that? The new birth. The revelation of Jesus Christ to you personally. That you always were a son or daughter of God. Now we are the sons of God. We don't become the sons of God. We always were the sons of God because only the elect can be born again. That's the principle of the word of God. Is this okay for Wednesday night? All right. So he goes on here, and he's just excuse me for belaboring the point here. He says... Um, he that's born of God does not commit sin. He cannot sin, Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. They walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. 
There you are. See, that throws your body subject. You don't have to say, oh, if I could just quit drinking, if I could just, just get into Christ. It's all gone, see. And how many can say hallelujah to that? Amen. Because your body is subject to the Spirit, it's no more subject to the things of the world. They're dead. They are dead. Your sins are buried in baptism. You are a new creature in Jesus Christ. Now, Brother Branham is not saying that you'll, you know, you'll not be tempted. Why will you still be tempted? Because in this body, you don't yet know all things. There's still questions. There's still unanswered things. There's still lack of understanding. And so we wrestle against that, but we have been thrown into subjection to the Word of God. Or in other words, it eliminates all anxiety because we have an absolute. Amen. Amen. We have no more worries because we know God knows. Let me give it to you very simply. We don't know when we're going to die. Anybody here know when you're going to die? Anybody here know for sure that you'll be alive by Sunday? If you, if you think you know, you're, you're just being foolish. Brother Ram says you could be cold and dead by the weekend. And that's absolutely the truth. Any one of us, doesn't matter to age, doesn't matter how sick you are, doesn't matter, that has nothing to do with it. But God knows, and, and it's better that we don't know. Can, can you imagine if we all knew that we're going to live to 75? Excuse me for anybody that's older than 75. But if we all knew that we're going to live to 75, that we knew that at 75, that's it. We go into the hospital, they pull the plug, and it's over. What kind of a life would we live? Right? What kind of a life would we just be a bunch of sinners? Oh, well, I got 30 years left. I got 20 years left. I got 50. Well, I better start thinking about it. I got 15 years left. Hey, brother, Ed? I, got, I got 10 years left. I got eight years left. I got five years left. I got three years. I only got a year left. Oh my, I only got a year left. I only got six months left. Now I start to get serious, right? But that's the way God wants us to be all the time. You don't know, as they say, when your number's called from the rack. You don't know when it's your time. You don't know if you're going to drive home tonight and be in an accident and lose somebody. We don't know. And it's irrelevant. All that we know is we have an absolute that nobody goes before their time. Amen. I'm a witness of that. I mean, nobody could tell me I was going to lose my wife when she was 50 years old. It'd be ridiculous. It'd be total nonsense. She wasn't even sick. She didn't have nothing wrong with her. But God took her home. It was her time. It was time for her to go. God had other purposes. God had other plans. God had other things that he was going to do. You understand, God's the one that's in control of all things. When we get on the other side in that body, then we'll look back and say, oh, of course, why didn't I think of that then? How do I know that'll be? Because when we find out something now, we do the same thing. Oh, of course. That's what it was all about. That's what God was doing. Hallelujah. So he says, when a man is born from heaven, same message, he becomes a spirit babe in Christ. I'm just talking to you tonight. Is this all right? He says, then when this robe of flesh is dropped, then there is a natural body, a theophany, a body not made with hands, neither born of a woman that we go to. Then that body returns back and picks up the glorified body. All right? The saints on the other side are waiting now 
to come back and pick up the earthly body because in the earthly body, you can contact this dimension. In the word body, you live in a word dimension. So you need both bodies to come together to produce the glorified bodies. The glorified body. That's why Jesus could be in a room or not be in a room. He could be on earth and say, you know, what if you see the Son of Man ascend up to heaven from whence he came, even the Son of Man who now is in heaven? Why? Because he had a theophany. He didn't bypass his theophany. He wasn't born in sin. He could be in heaven and be in earth at the same time. Praise the Lord. That was the way you were meant to be. He was the firstborn among many brethren. Hallelujah. That's our inheritance. That's our calling. That's our place. That's our God-given rights. Sometimes we, we have to just lift our eyes above a little bit and say, what we are going to is so much greater than anything we experience here. Hallelujah. It's not, it's not a carrot and a stick thing. It's something that's real. It's, as Brother Bram said, and I believe it, it's more real, more real than this realm we live in right now. Because there are things that this realm cannot explain that can only be explained in that body. He says, we have bypassed that to come straight from God, the attribute to be flesh and tempted by sin, like Adam, but when the testing of his word is over, then we are taken to this body that's prepared for us before the foundation of the world. It is the word there that we skipped to come right down here and be tempted and tested. If we'd have come through that, there'd have been no temptation. We'd know all things. So there's Brother Brown saying what I've already said, that that's the reason Jesus knowed all things, because he was the word before he was flesh. Then we become the word, and here we are formed to the word image to be a partaker of the word, feed on the word by being predestinated since the beginning. And then he makes a statement that I know you've heard before. He says, you see that little spark of life that you had in you from the beginning when you started your journey. It says, many of you can remember it. You join this church, you join that church, try this and that, nothing satisfied, that's right, but one day you just recognized it. Amen. What? Recognize what? The word anointed for your hour. Amen. The deep responding to the deep call that's in you. The reality of the eternal that came to an eternal creature that thought he was mortal. But then the mortal creature realized he's an eternal creature, that he always was a son of God, that she saw that she always was a daughter of God. Something just, you just realized it. Whereas the person next door neighbor, the person down the street, somebody you work with, you told them about it, they don't recognize nothing. Doesn't mean nothing to them. But it came by your way, and you just recognized it, Brother Branham said. Then he says, after you recognized the very word of God was eagle food, then you left the other thing. We know this quote. You've been formed into the living image of the living God. You heard from your theophany. Hallelujah. You heard from your theophany. There was a part. What is your theophany? The word. You heard from the word. You heard from that, that, those predestinated, laid out ingredients that form your future body. It come down to you. You heard from it. And it caused you to recognize this body isn't all of it. Yeah. 
Amen. It's not just the fibers of these beings. It's not just the brain cells. It's not just the muscles. In other words, it's not me trying to be more like the natural realm. There's a supernatural realm. It's not me trying to be a sports god or an education god or an engineering god or a, or a business god or we say, is it, what are you talking about? Satan said to Eve, he said, if you'll do this, if you'll eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you'll become like God. She already was an attribute of God. She couldn't become more like God. But what Satan was interpreting, he wasn't thinking about like Jehovah God. He was thinking like an object of worship. The more you feed of the tree of life in whatever field you're in, you'll become an object of worship. People will worship you if you're a great basketball player. People will worship you if you're a great hockey player. People will worship you if you're a great musician. People will worship you if you're a great singer. People will worship you, sisters, if you just let your beauty go out for the world and show the world your, your beauty and, 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 and become immoral and all those, I don't even want to say it over the pulpit, you know, just become immoral and all those kind of things. They'll worship you, yeah, until the body rots. I'll tell you what, I'd rather, I would think if I was a sister, I'd rather have a man that would not even take a billion dollars for me than to take a billion dollars and give the world my body. You got a choice. Brother Bram said, you got a choice, sisters. You got a choice. Who do you want to be like? You want to be like these, Brother Branham called Hollywood, what is the word he used? America's concubines. Isn't that the word that he used? Hollywood actresses, America's concubines. That's what they are. And the, the goddess of America, hello, the goddess of America is what? A naked female. Goddess. Satan saying, I'll make you like God if you eat of the tree of knowledge. That's the devil's idea of becoming like God. But we always were like God. And that's why when the word become revealed, hallelujah, it brought us back into our right mind. That it's not about uh, a degree. It's not about becoming the greatest in my field. It's not about becoming the greatest singer or the greatest this or the greatest that or some athlete for a young man or something or other. It's not about any of those things. I was made to worship God. I was made to worship God. Hello, world. I was made to worship God. That's why I'm here tonight. That's why I'm not scared of this COVID nonsense. I was made to worship God. I was molded in the very fibers of my being to worship God. That is my makeup. That is what I'm all about. But do you realize, brothers and sisters, but I'll, I'll focus on brothers here. Do you realize it's a lack of theophany that makes us disagree with one another? even as believers? Because, you know, if, if John the Baptist comes on the scene and everybody has a theophany and they come out and ask John, they say, John, who are you? I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Okay, praise the Lord. We're glad you're here. We can all go home now. 
That's theophany. Knows all things. Accepts the word. Believes it just when it's spoken. You heard from your theophany. That's what the reality is that we're meant to be in. But because we don't have theophanies, and, 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 and we, we, God has to put us into another realm here. Oh my, I'm, I'm totally running out of time. God, God puts us in another realm. And, and because of this great lack, God has to give us something else to operate by, and that is the Spirit and the gifts within that Spirit and the gifts within that body so that he'll put the church in order and he'll, he'll send to them ministry that will minister the word. Recognize, as Brother Branham says, as Paul had the evident fruit of a ministry, that would be the sign of a real minister, is that there would be evident fruit. It's not someone saying, hello, I'm a minister. It's somebody with the evident fruit. Their lives represent, they leave behind them a trail of fruit, just like your pastor here, Brother Hildebrandt. You know, there's a trail of fruit down through his life that nobody has to say, are you a minister or can you show me the credentials? No, as Paul said, you are my credentials. Paul said that to the church. He says, you're my credentials. I don't have no need of anybody else. I don't have to explain to you my knowledge. I don't have to explain to you my way of life. I don't have to explain to you. You are my answer. You're the reason. And God puts these things into the church so that the church can operate without a theophany. But that doesn't mean even within the framework of the church that there won't be disagreements amongst us. The deacon board will get together or the trustee board will get together and one will say, I think we need to do it this way. Another one will say, well, I think we need to do it that way. Well, don't, don't be hard on each other because that happens. That's all right. It just means we're lacking a theophany. Because if somebody got the inspiration from the Lord and everybody had a theophany, everybody would say, well, I think we should do this. Everybody go, yep, that's exactly the way we should do it. Praise the Lord. Everybody's got a theophany and everybody's just happy. You probably haven't had a meeting like that yet, have you, Brother Ed? You know, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a choice. Everybody's got a reason. Everybody's got something to say. Now multiply that out there in the world and social media. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got something to say. Everybody thinks their, their truth means something. I'll tell you what, there's only one truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. I better leave that. But I was just looking at the life of Peter. Let me just spend the last few minutes talking about Peter. You know, Peter, in his life, had a lot of questions. Think about Peter now. Peter was apparently uh, Andrew and Peter were the first disciples called. I think Andrew was the first one, they say. The Bible doesn't give a chronology, but that's what they say. And, uh, and Andrew and Peter were from Bethesda. Also, Nathaniel and Philip were from Bethesda. Okay? Now, if you remember, when, when Jesus called uh, Andrew and Peter, he said, you know, they were fishers, and he says, come, I'll make you fishers of men. But but when, when Philip was quickened, he went around the hill to go get Nathaniel, who was a farmer. And uh, farmer uh, Nathaniel was out there, and, and, he, and he said, come see a man. We believe he's the Messiah. And uh, we, we, he says, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel's response was immediately a question. 
Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? <laughs> we got opinions. Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth? Really? Is, is there any good thing in Nazareth at all? It's, it's a question. And, and Philip, of, so, of course, says, come and see those famous words. And, you know, don't, well, I'm not going to argue about it. Come and see. Let's just see. Let, let men see. Let you see what God's doing. Of course, Jesus discerns the thoughts of Nathaniel and, and, and reveals to him the, uh, uh, an Israelite in whom there's no guile. And Nathaniel says, when did you see me? When you were under the tree praying, I saw you. And no doubt Nathaniel was praying, looking for the Messiah. You know, he was going to the right source. Lord, you lead me. If you lead me, I will follow you. That's the way, that's the attitude of the believer. Amen. You know, Jesus with the disciples, he takes, he, he's with the disciples one day in Matthew 16, and we know the scriptures, and so we don't need to turn to them. But, but he begins to deal with them on the basis of revelation now. He knows, Jesus knowing all things, he knows that Peter has a revelation of who he is. If Peter's not just figuring it out, he's got a revelation. And so he asks the disciples, says, who do men say that I am? What's What's the uncertainty that's going around out there? What's the, here's a question for you. Who does everybody say that I am? And they say, well, some say you're Elijah, and some say you're Jeremiah, and some say you're this, or some say you're that. And Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter, he's got it right there. How? He didn't figure it out. He didn't have the knowledge. He didn't have his theophany, but he received a revelation from the word realm that anchored him down, and he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonas, flesh and blood, has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. This came from your theophany, because your theophany was a part of the great theophany, God himself. This came from my Father, and it was revealed to you, upon that, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hallelujah. You don't need a theophany yet, but you'll have something that's as strong that the gates of hell won't prevail against. Hallelujah. You might not know everything, but you got enough revelation to keep you. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom, matter of fact. I'll show you how strong this is. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom, Peter. That's how confident I am in the revelation. Not in you. Because in the same chapter, he rebukes Peter for a wrong attitude. As Peter said, Jesus, you're not going to suffer. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Same chapter in the Bible, Matthew 16. But here he says, I'll show you my confidence in Revelation. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. Hallelujah. That's how, how important revelation is in our life. You've heard it a hundred times. If you've heard it once, never underestimate the value of revelation. Amen. It's, it's something that God gives us to keep us headed towards that theophany in which we'll know all things. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus is with the disciples. And John 14, and he says, Thomas says, Lord, questions again. We know, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus says unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but 
by me. I don't care what people think about God. The only way to God is through Jesus Christ. Amen. People can have all their ideas about God, but they're not going to him except through Jesus Christ. And that's the only way that there is. And, and, you know, the disciples, they never would have come up with that. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Peter, even with the revelation that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, he would have ever come up with he's the way, the truth, and the life. That come right from God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, if you'd have known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. And of course, then I think it's Andrew that asks him, says, you know, well, show us the Father then, and it, it's sufficient for us. Still more questions. And now these are men that Jesus had chosen full of questions. Jesus said, if, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. All right? Now, now I'm just trying to get your head around something here tonight so that the Holy Spirit can deal with your heart and cause you to realize the fact that you have questions has nothing to do with it. Show us the Father. Or how can we know the way? Or how can we understand these things? Or how is it that these things will be? Might they even go further? Right before they go to Pentecost, Acts chapter 1. Will thou at this time restore the kingdom? They, they've seen him. He's resurrected. He's now walking amongst them. And what do they have? They still got questions. Will thou at this time restore the kingdom? It's not up to you to know when I'm going to restore the kingdom. But you'll wait in Jerusalem, and you'll be endued with power from on high, and you'll be witnesses of me in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Praise the Lord. That's what you need to know. And they went from there to the upper room. Oh, praise the God. Praise God. He didn't just leave us with revelation. He also gave us the new birth. Amen. And they go into the upper room and they, after 40 days, when the day of Pentecost was fully calm, after 10 days in the upper room, then they begin to, then they begin to go and come out of the upper room full of the Holy Ghost. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Lakes of fire appeared amongst them and, and God showing that he's dividing the great pillar of fire into individual portions. That's like dividing the great theophany into individual theophanies. I'll just say it that way. And, and so this great uh, pillar of fire now breaking up amongst them and they come out of the upper room full of the Holy Ghost and everybody's looking at them and these men are full of new wine and my, what kind of babbling, what kind of stuff are they talking about and Peter stands up amongst them. No question about it. No question about it. Says these men are not drunk as you suppose. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Hallelujah. This is that in the scripture. And, then, and when it says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And this is because of Jesus of Nazareth. And he just lays it out. And I'll tell you what, as Brother Branham says in Uncertain Sound, there was nothing uncertain about that. Hallelujah. What is it? Peter's drawing closer to his theophany. Amen. There's something that's real, that's more real than this dementia. This dimension. I didn't want to say dementia. <laughs> this, is, this is a realm of dementia. Sometimes I feel like everybody's got dementia in this realm. But you know, in this dimension, it's more real over there. 
And when it comes from that realm to this realm, it's more real. As Brother Branham said, if God told me to go to the grave and raise Abraham Lincoln from the grave, he says, I'd invite the whole world to see. Hallelujah. Why? Because it's more real than this realm. When God speaks, when Elijah stood up on Mount Carmel and called all Israel to a showdown and says, if God be God, then let the God who's God, if Baal be God, then serve him. If Jehovah is God, then serve him. He says, but whoever it is, let that God answer by fire. And then he comes down to the evening time and he sets the altar in order, does it exactly the way God showed him to do it. And he says, now, Father, now God, Oh, great Jehovah, let it be known that I've done this at your word. And the fire comes down from heaven and consumes the sacrifice and consumes the altar and dries up the ground that had just had all kinds of water poured on it and everything. Why? Because God was showing, God was confirming his word. It was more certain than the water. It was more certain than the stones of the altar. It was more certain than the sacrifice. It was more certain than all the emotions of the prophets of Baal. You can have all the emotion you want. That's all right. Human beings are emotion. But you better be certain of God. Hallelujah. Don't just take any old thing. But when God has revealed something to you, you stand there. Hallelujah. We've received a message. And I don't, I have not figured out this message yet. That surprise you? I have not figured out this message yet. But it's revealed to me that it's the truth. It's been brought in such a way you will never figure it out. Just when you think you got it figured out, God will throw another loop in it for you just to prove you don't know all things. Because you can't know all things. In this realm, it's impossible to know all things because God gives us the new birth and revelation to operate by. Not by knowledge. Until we're brought into the perfect measure of the stature of a perfect man. The word must be ministered. Until, as Brother Branham said in the message, perfect faith, the bride comes into rapturing condition. What is rapturing condition? Till she becomes a mystic to the world. The world doesn't understand her because like Jesus, she walks in perfect faith in what the word says she is. Not a letter. Listen, the letter killeth, but the revelation of this word comes from another dimension. It's a place where a body's waiting for you, where in that body you'll understand everything. Hallelujah. And right now God has given you pieces of it. God has given you little bits of it. God has given you understandings. God has given you revelation. God has given you, listen, you can't understand it all because then it wouldn't be perfect faith. It'd be perfect understanding. And you wouldn't need faith. But God's bringing you to perfect faith by his word ministered to you personally. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bringing his bride to a realm of perfect faith 
Till then, it's just one step across the curtain of time. And we look back and say, oh, well, I knew it was him all the time. Hallelujah. I knew that had to be God. I didn't understand it, but I knew that had to be God. I knew I'd have to go through that situation. I knew that was him, but I couldn't explain it. Those things that happened to me, I didn't know why, but I knew he had his hand in it because he said he would not let the devil touch me except with his permission. I just believe that. Amen. Do you believe that tonight? I believe that sickness was only to try my faith. To make me believe that God, you're the healer. And you want to express yourself in me. As a matter of fact, as, as God molds us by his word, he's actually molding our mind. And I'll show it to you right in the scripture as we close. He's actually molding our mind to actually reject everything that's contrary to the word. And only believe what the word tells us. That's why God says, stay in the word. That's why he said to Joshua, stay in the word day and night. Meditate in there all the time, and that's what will make you prosperous. That's what will make you successful. It's not your education. It's not your hard work. It's not your profession. It's not your boss. It's not your company. It's not this. It's not that. It's the Word. Paul writes in Philippians, he says, be careful for nothing now. I'll bring this back to the mind realm as we come to a close. Because your mind is under assault, whether you know it or not. It is literally under assault. That's why even Peter, I I didn't go there, but Peter chapter 1, he says, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the the loose garments of your mind and and be ready to do what is the will of God. But in Philippians, Paul says it this way. He says, be careful for nothing. Maybe you turn in your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4. Let's just turn to this one scripture together. You can put it up on the screen. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Listen, the devil, through this hour of uncertainty, wants to push you to anxiety. All right? This is the greatest battle right now, is in the minds. Okay? Now, I want you to listen to me, especially if you find yourself, I'll call it, stressed out. I want you to listen real close now. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And if you do that, then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He goes on. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true... Well, that eliminates the news. Whatever things are honest. Are you with me? Whatever things are just. Whatever things are pure. 
whatever things are lovely. Well, we're certainly writing off a lot of everything that people read and look at on the internet and everything, aren't we? Just line after line after line getting wiped out here. Whatsoever things are of a good report. Do you only listen to good things that are said about your brothers and sisters? I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave that question with you. Whatever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. So Paul's telling the Philippians, I've set the example for you. He says, do and the God of peace shall be with you. All right, he starts out this section, be careful for nothing. The same word is used by Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 when he says, take no thought for your life. It's the same, for, same word. Be careful for nothing, take no thought. It's the same. So Paul could have said, or the English could have translated, take no thought for nothing, but by prayer and supplication. So Jesus saying, now take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, etc. Then he goes on, he says it three times. The third time is, in the same chapter, take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. All right? Uncertainty. What's uncertain? Tomorrow is uncertain. What the rules are going to be tomorrow. What the whatever news is going to be tomorrow. It's all uncertain. Jesus says, don't listen, don't plant in your mind, and don't allow to be planted uncertain thoughts. Because your mind was not made for uncertainty. Your mind was made to be certain. All right? So let me put it this way. As, G as Paul writes, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer, what he's actually saying, if it's not worth praying about, and what would not be worth praying about? Something that there's no promise for. If you have no promise for something, how can you pray for it? You can pray for healing because there's a promise. You know, you can pray for saving your lost loved ones because there's a promise. You know, you can, you can pray for, the Bible says pray for the governments that they'll make wise decisions. Go ahead and pray for that. But that even has its, has its limitations. As Brother Branham brings it up, and right at the end of 1965, he says, they say God bless America. He says, it's, they say it's a nation, it's a Christian country. He says, it's a million miles from being a Christian country. I don't even pray for it. He won't even allow his thoughts to go there. You understand what I'm saying? He says, how can I pray for it and it won't repent under the mighty powers of God demonstrated before it and denying and closing the doors to it and walking away? He says, I commit it to God. He says, she's going further away 
And now she's going to sink. This 1965. He says, just watch what happens. And you're seeing it. America, Canada's the same. It's gone. All right. In other words, the Scripture is telling us now. I've gone through this whole service to tell you, your mind was made to be certain. That's the way God created us. We were made to worship him, but we were made to have a theophany. We were made to know all things, but we don't have that, so God gives us revelation. God gives us his word, and the word brings faith, faith which is revelation. All right? So God gives us these things in order for one thing. Don't waste time in your mind, and I'm dealing with maybe just a few that are struggling in their minds. Don't waste time on things that there is no promise about. Don't waste, I'll call it, don't waste mind space. Don't waste time in your minds. If there's a promise about it, then take it to God and leave it there. Don't be uncertain about it. They'll be, well, you know, I don't know whether it's the will of God. Find out whether it's the will of God. Brother Branham says it plainly. He says, it's God's will to heal you. The Bible says, I would that you would prosper and be in good health. Amen. That's God's will. You can go to God. You can ask him. He says, I'm the God that heals all your sicknesses and diseases. Hallelujah, that's a promise. That's what I'll focus my mind on. That's where I'll stay in that channel. That's where I'll give myself to that. But as far as the different ideas, oh, the doctor says this and says I should take that kind of medication and says all these kind of things. You know, I, I don't know whether I should or whether I shouldn't. What do you think, Brother Tim? I'm not a doctor. But I know that God's your healer. He's a God that heals all your sicknesses and diseases. I'm not going to tell you whether you should listen to your doctor or whether you shouldn't listen to your doctor because that's not my field of expertise. My field of expertise is you should listen to this word. And the God of peace shall comfort your mind and remove from you all anxiety and all fear. I say let, let every fear be broken it's by fear that the devil rules by. You know, if we even come to church, and I'm not, you just do what the Lord leads you here under your local leadership, Brother Hildebrandt, uh, Brother Hammermeister, and, and as God leads those men, may God just direct you ever so importantly. But I'll tell you what, you have nothing to fear in this COVID virus. It's just that simple. I don't care if it's COVID or it's cancer or it's tuberculosis or it's leukemia or it's a toothache. It doesn't make no difference to God. He's the healer of all of them. I'm not saying you won't get it. I'm saying you got a promise to overcome it. Hallelujah. Brother Tom Wright, if there ever was a, a sick person in our church, it's Brother Tom Wright. Everybody knows Brother Tom. He's been through a battle with his ankle. Well, he's been through more than that this year. He went through a battle with his ankle. Then they had to do skin grafts. Then he had to go into an operation for an internal problem. And, and so he went into an operation. He'd come out of that operation. Then he got COVID. Now, if there's anybody going to succumb to this thing, just by human weakness, it's going to be him. And he's back on his feet preaching again. Hallelujah. God knows what he's doing. He's the God that heals all. 
A-L-L. Let's stand together. All our sicknesses and diseases. What is it? Brother Bram says the right mental attitude towards any divine promise will bring it to pass. Brother Bradham was in a meeting in, in, in Dawson Creek where Brother Biscoe was there. And they're at the end of the service and, and they're just softly playing a song. May, maybe we could softly play a song, just play something like Only Believe. I think that's just a good song. Might have been what they were, I don't think that was the song they were playing. No, I love him. That's what they were playing. Playing I love him, if you would. I love him because he first loved me. They were just softly singing that. And Brother Branham was in the service, and he's just softly singing. And then you can, you can hear it on tape. He just cries out. This tape, I don't think, does his justice, according to Brother Bill. He just cries out, what's the matter, soldier boy? Just cries out in the service. And Brother Briscoe said he was shocked. He says, the devil's lying to you. He says, renounce him. Renounce him. And you'll be a real, real man. Now we know the story. The devil was trying to tell the, that man that he was a homosexual. That's the bottom line. You say, oh, he's committing moral, immoral acts with boys. Well, he, the devil's trying to tell him he's homosexual. That's what it's all about. There's no such thing as a... Well, that's when it's politically correct. There's no such thing as a real homosexual. It's a homosexual demon that gets on a man. That's what it's all about. And Brother Branham just rebuked. He said, the devil's lying to you. If you've got something tonight that the devil's playing with your mind, and I don't know, I've just felt burdened lately to go down this road. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. And you got something that the devil's playing with your mind, trying to tell you something that's contrary to this word. I tell you on the authority of the word of God and on the authority of the prophet of this hour and on the authority of my own faith in the word that you need to just renounce the devil and tell him, you're lying to me and I don't believe you. And you just accept what the word of God has for you. You just accept the promise of the Word of God. The devil might say, this is going to happen in your life or that's going to happen in your life. He doesn't know. He doesn't have any idea what's going to happen in your life. There's only one thing to know. When they asked him, when they asked Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom? He says, not for you to know. It's only for my Father to know. It's not even for the angels to know when these things will come to pass. And I'll tell you what. God knows what your life, and you need to just, if you're weak this morning, you need to just surrender yourself afresh to God and say, Lord, my life is in your hands. I'm not going to take thought for the morrow because you said I shouldn't. Sufficient today is the evil thereof, and I renounce every evil thing tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, you see every heart in this place. You see every child of God. You see every predestinated soul, that's the ones that you're dealing with. Somebody might, even the devil might be trying to tell them, you're not predestinated. And Lord, they, they might wonder, am I predestinated? Well, if your word is dealing with them, they are predestinated. Because you would only deal with the predestinated, Lord. 
Oh, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I renounce that evil, wicked one that would try and, and pervert and distract and, and, and confuse the minds of your children. Lord, may the devil be cast out. May it be by in, like India, oh God. May it be like a home in this neighborhood. Some devil goes screaming through some house. Scare them half to death. That'd be all right for their souls. And cause them to, re, to turn to God. Lord, I pray that every demon power would be broken in the name of Jesus Christ. Let every thought be brought subject to the Word of God. We doubt our doubts. We renounce our fears. We believe your Word. We believe your promise. We thank you for it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I love him. Why don't you just sing it to him? I love him because he first loved.